Hey friends, does your church need resources in order to meet people in their pain and trauma? Okay. Stop what you're doing for just a second. If that's the case, I know you're probably multitasking, doing something else while you're listening to this podcast, but especially if you're a pastor or church leader, listen in at nothing is wasted ministries. We are passionate about helping people heal. But the only thing that we might be more passionate about is helping your church become an environment where people can heal, which is why we offer our pain to purpose course for churches with the pain to purpose course for churches. You will get everything you need to facilitate a proven pathway to lead people through trauma and grief and get them back on mission. What you may or may not realize is that unaddressed trauma is holding back an overwhelming amount of people in your church and keeping them from fully walking in their purpose. And I know you want to unleash people on mission, but they can't because they haven't healed from their trauma. Now the pain to purpose course gives your church body the tools it needs to identify and unpack trauma in a safe environment and apply sound scriptural principles to their pain for the purpose of moving through it. Now imagine doing all of this within your spiritual community. What makes this course so unique is that pain to purpose offers a broader, more holistic approach to addressing the common denominators of pain, no matter what the specifics may be with the pain to purpose course, your church will have all the tools it needs to to start helping people in their journey from pain to purpose right now. If you're ready to see healing take place within the walls of your church, connect with us today and let us show you how the pain to purpose course may be the resource that you've been missing. You can learn more by visiting nothingiswasted.com slash churches. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash churches. Right there, you can learn more and you can sign up for one of our demo calls. I'd love to connect with you personally on one of those calls. People are hurting and we as the church should be the first place that they can find the tools they need to move from pain to purpose. Let's have a conversation about how we can help your church do just that. Connect with us today at nothingiswasted.com slash churches. Again, nothingiswasted.com slash churches to find out how. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davy Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. I am one of your hosts, Aubrey Sampson, and you're used to hearing from my other co-host, Davey Blackburn, but we actually are doing something really fun for the next few episodes. We are joined by Eric Shoemaker. Eric, thanks for being here with us today. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. I love this. So Eric, I'll let you introduce yourself, Eric, but Eric is a pastor, podcaster, author. He has a million children. He's been married for half a quarter of a century. Yes. Yeah. Not that Um, old. Yeah. Not that old. (laughs) And uh, this is actually kind of fun for you listeners. We've got an episode coming up with Eric in just a few weeks, but uh, we liked him so much that we decided to bring him on as a guest co-host for a while. So um, Eric, why don't you just briefly tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your ministry? Yeah, so I uh, am an Iowa native and still live in Iowa, uh, in the heart of the state. I'm a like you, like you said, I've been married to Jenny for twenty five, almost twenty five years now, and um, five awesome. kids ranging from ten to twenty. 
I've been pastoring for, uh, just completed my 20th year of <gasps> pastoral ministry. Yeah, thank That's you. So, cool. so I'm an associate pastor um, at our church and I... Oh, my job description is uh, every every responsibility that nobody else wanted. <laughs> That's why I love the title associate pastor because like that covers a multitude yes, of uh, yeah. anything really. <laughs> but it's helpful because I tell I tell people you know uh, we only have two staff, so I say if you want leadership, go to the lead pastor. If you just want to hang out, I'll associate with you. <laughs> I'm your guy. I'm yes, your associate. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah but good. don't expect me to tell you what to do or help you. <laughs> So, That's really good. Uh, I fell into leading worship there. Um, long story, but I'm, I guess I'm a worship leader now. And nice. uh, I've been writing worship songs for a little over 20 years. And uh, cool. a few years ago, got started writing books and uh, a couple books with Elise Fitzpatrick that we co-wrote together. And we've nice. co-hosted, uh, we're on a hiatus right now, but we've we co-host uh, the podcast Worthy, celebrating the value of women, and uh, that's been a lot of fun and had a lot of great conversations there. So I'm kind of uh, what do they say, jack of all trades and master of none. Yeah. So yep. yeah, that's that's a fun uh, category to live in. Well, I can't wait to hear more uh, in a few weeks your interview with Davy, and we'll keep talking with you over these next few episodes. So thanks so much for being here with yeah. us, Eric. This is so fun. We are actually joined today. We have a really cool episode. Uh, Josh and Christy Straub. They are children's authors, and they write specifically to help kids process uncomfortable emotions, anger, worry. And really, the point is to help you know parents and kids cultivate connection, practice presence, and live with purpose. They're all about emotional awareness. And this was born out of a really difficult, you know, season of parenting. So I know you are going to love Davy's conversation with Josh and Christy Straub. So let's go ahead and take a listen to that. Josh and Christy, it's so great to have you on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thanks for joining me. We're so happy to be here, Davey. It's Thank an you honor. For having Thank us. you. This is going to be such a rich conversation. Like, I need the, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're listening to this on the on Apple Podcast, Spotify, wherever you're at, you got to understand, like, we just spent probably the last 20 minutes just talking, realized, oh my gosh, it's 20, we've got to start recording. And I'm just <laughs> so excited for you guys as you're listening to this and you're watching this, what God is going to do in your hearts as you listen to Josh and Christy, because man, they're just spilling over with with just the the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. It's so cool to see and even just kind of feel this so early in the morning as we're recording this. But here's what I would love for you guys to do. I'm going to shut up so you guys can talk because it's amazing what you guys are doing. Why don't you share a little bit about yourself and then go ahead and dive into, here's what I'd want to know. I want to know kind of about yourself, about your family, what you guys do, but then like why you do it. What like what led you to this? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm Josh and then Christy's here with me. We have three uh, amazing, fun kiddos. Uh, they are 10, 8, and 2. So it's boy, girl, boy. we got a girl in the middle, uh, 10, 8, and 2. And uh, the two-year-old is keeping us on our toes uh, at this season of our lives. But um, we have an organization and a ministry called Famous at Home. And really, you know, we started this because there was a lot of... Uh, I would receive calls as a crisis responder. So I had a, a, a training in, in crisis response. One of the things, one of the most frequent calls I would receive 
were phone calls related to a moral or ethical failure of some type in a business leader, a ministry leader, or something of that nature. And they were calling me to say, hey, can you come help us get our family back in sorts? And then there was obviously the fallout of, of whatever it was that they were leading and employees or congregations or whatever. And it was heartbreaking because what I found over and over and over again was this chase, this pursuit of something else for identity purpose, for affirmation, that type of thing. And home was always getting put in the back burner because the dopamine bump uh, when you're on a stage or you're doing, you, you know, whatever job it is that you're doing and you're getting accolades from a, a board member or, you know, a client or a fan or whatever, that dopamine bump is way stronger than sitting on the floor and playing shoots and ladders with an opponent who has no idea which way is up and which way is down. Like, it's like you, you your presence at home or wow. to flip that into the spousal relationship where you're getting accolades at work, but you come home and you're not getting accolades from your spouse because things yeah. at home feel chaotic. Yeah. And so one of the greatest phrases I would hear is I can go to work and lead hundreds of people and I come home and I don't even know how to manage my own family. And mm. it was just heartbreaking to us to see that because when you look at research, you obviously filter this through the lens of scripture, you genuinely see that when we prioritize home, uh, everything else falls into place. That when you, and, and you're already famous at home, you are famous at home. I mean, the, the phrase that we use often uh, on our podcast is the greatest red carpet you'll ever walk is through your front door. And wow. it, it's like the, at the end of life, these are the end of life regrets that people have is I wish I wouldn't have worked as much. I wish I would have spent more time. I wish I would have been more present. And so that's really our heart is to be able to do that and to, to, to really help families understand you're already famous at home. And the double entendre there is you can be famous at home because you already are. Like through as a son and daughter of Jesus Christ, you are already famous at home. You are so deeply loved. And it's out of wow. receiving that love that we can then go love our families well and then go out and do what God has called us to do. And so we just really help families get out of that cultural tide of the chase, if you will, uh, yeah. and the messages that that they're believing. And we've all believed. I mean, gosh, we've been there and it's part of our story. Right. But that's right. really kind of where um, our heart is in, in helping families and leaders. And we do a lot with military. We do a lot with um, Joint Special Operations Command and then organizations and churches wow. and that type of thing. So, so it's been a huge honor. The coolest part for us is we get to do it together. Um, together. You know, it, it obviously has its pros and cons, but uh, has, I think... You'd say it has way more pros than cons at this point. It does. I think we've worked <laughs> through a lot of the cons. It took some time. But I think that's been the beauty is like you get the real life. Like there's no, like what's the point in pretending? People just want genuine, authentic connection to realize like I'm not crazy. This is mm. really hard or I'm struggling here. I'm stuck here. I'm wounded here. This keeps coming up in our marriage. Oh, we're not the only ones. And I think mm. that's probably the most, yep. you know, beautiful realization is you just try to be so authentic where, yeah. because I want to know you, I don't want to know the false version of you that you put up right. to yeah. try to, yeah. um, and we do that, right? We have these false selves that we play in order to, cause we think we're going to be better accepted at work or out in the marketplace yeah. or, um, even in friendship and it's exhausting. And we get to a mm. place, you know, sort of somewhere in the midlife range where you realize I'm so tired and I feel alone. And this is yeah. where a lot of these falls originate is from a lot of hiding. And so we just want to pull out everything in the dark and bring it into the light and God redeems everything. And so it's just wow. beautiful to be able to witness. 
Wow. That's so cool. Well, Josh, I know you said that you, you know, we're working with a lot of like crisis response in terms of um, moral ethical failures. And so obviously there's a, you know, the therapist counseling background there with you. Right. And then also yeah, Christy, yeah. the same thing for you, right? Yep. Yes. We actually met, we met when Josh was doing his PhD in counseling and I was doing my master's. That's where we met. That's so where we met. Okay. We're a little, we don't okay. actually work in the counseling space as much anymore. We do more coaching. Which yeah. Is we just, do a lot more coaching right. today. I do a lot of with emotional intelligence and um, nice. most intelligence coaching and then marriage coaching and leadership coaching and that type of thing. Uh, we we're huge fans of therapy. We go to therapy ourselves. Uh, maintenance, uh, just believe it's so important. We can yeah. talk a little bit more about that, but we, uh, we also, when, when I walk into a situation like that, I've got a I've got a black book of resources that I am you know helping people put a team around them in that situation, which would include therapy. It would include a, you know a coach. It would include people that really can support the family in that process. And so that's really the role that I play is kind of bringing pieces, puzzle pieces together to put mm-hmm. the support in that family's life. That's great. That's great. We talk often uh, in you know on the podcast and in our ministry about coaching versus counseling and how important both of them are. I think some people still don't quite understand the difference. I'd love to hear your take on what the difference between those two are and how they work in tandem to really help you as you're navigating these seasons of life. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, to simplify it, I think, you know, coaching is that looking at the present, where are we stuck and casting vision for the future and how can we get to the future? You know, how can we really put a plan, find our purpose, uh, really get out of this feeling of stuckness Therapy would look at the past and look at uh, trauma, look at anxiety, depression, diagnosable uh, mental health disorders that you're you're really trying to uh, overcome and work through, and that's where the therapy side of it would be. And so, one of the things that we do in our coaching is we really uh, evaluate, do an assessment early on: Do you need therapy or do you need counseling? And a lot of people will do both uh, at yeah. the same time. Uh, as they're doing coaching with us, we have a therapist or someone who will work with them, or they might decide, hey, we need to do therapy first before we would come to you. And so, yeah. so we really help people discern that. And and you're right. I mean, it's 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 important to have have all of it. We have a we have a therapist. We have a we have coaches. We have uh, spiritual directors. We have our pastors. Like it's like I was saying this yesterday to somebody. Like it's like we have such a plethora of support <laughs> around us. But there's a reason for that, and that's because that's right. you know for us, and we can get into this later, but. I can sum up all of parenting research into one primary conclusion, and that's that our kids become who we are. And so mm. if I want my, you know, research shows that our our children's emotional floor is our ceiling. Our emotional ceiling will be our children's floor. Our children will not outgrow our emotional wow. maturity while they're under our roof. And so if I want my if I want to launch my kids into the world in an emotionally healthy way, I've got to be leveling up. And so that's mm. what we're huge on. Wow. Wow. You know, we work with so many families, so many broken situations, so much trauma, so much, whether it's divorce or loss or, and, you know, I think that a lot of, I mean, for me, I would, I would say, wow, that Josh, that's such a profound, before I lost my, my wife, I would say that's such a profound truth. And absolutely. I 100% agree with it. But then there are folks that they just feel so overwhelmed by the challenges or the trauma, or the crisis they're facing right now currently. Yeah that they've hit their they've hit their emotional capacity and yet while they're trying to heal through or grieve through or whatever you know um they're trying to kind of move along in their process they also have the responsibility of all of these little ones around too trying to have the emotional capacity for them too 
can, I, I'd love to kind of talk about two different things. <clears throat> Excuse me. I would love to, you know, one, when you're in the thick of it right there and you kind of realize, man, I've, I've hit an emotional capacity. I'm, I'm, I'm finding myself being really short with my kids or with the people that I love around me because I just, that trauma is kind of oozing out of me. It's coming out sideways. What do I do? That's probably the first side of the question. And then also like, how do we build that kind of emotional intelligence on the front end before the crisis happens, you know? So maybe take both of those questions. Like, what do we do right now in the middle of it? Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And I love the way that you you did it. So I'm going to take the first part of the question and I'm going to answer that and give this kind of guilt-free drop for families and and parents and people who are struggling. And then I'm going to toss it to Christy to kind of share her story when she was on the bottom rung of life and just kind of how she has pulled herself and how we have together done that through the, so that, that work. Yeah. So the first thing I would say, and yeah. I think this is the nugget that I just really want to le- start with because I think it's really important. I'm so grateful you asked that question. John Gottman in his research, we talk a lot about emotional safety and in the home and really having that sense of, you know, resilient, building resilience. That's what we're doing in these situations. John Gottman did research. He's kind of like the preeminent marriage uh, researcher in the world. Mm-hmm. But he's, what, what he did was he researched uh, also emotion coaching children. And what he found mm. was that uh, this whole idea of emotion coaching or being emotionally safe for your kids, even if you get it right just two out of five times, all right? If you're a basketball mm. fan, guys, Shaq shot better than 40% from the free throw line. Like <laughs> like 40, we just have to get it right 40% of the time and you can still get the outcomes you desire in your kids. Yeah. And there was a reason wow. for that. And what he found was it was a word called repair. And, and the research mm. calls it the ultimate of relationships. What's the Bible call it? forgiveness. Mm, And Jesus tells us to practice it a lot, 70 times seven. And so when you, you're human, you will say things you regret. You, your limbic system will be so overwhelmed when your children are screaming and you're out of sorts. And in the moment that you will meet your child's limbic overwhelm with your limbic overwhelm. And you're gonna, you're gonna say things you regret. You're gonna yell. When you do, your ability to get into their world at eye level and apologize for your offense, what it does is it teaches your kids, number one, that you're not perfect. Number two, it tells them that it shows them that you don't expect them to be perfect. But number three, what you're doing is you're modeling for them how to make it right. And and that is the ultimate of relationships. That's the buffer because three out of five times, you probably will mess up. We all do. But if you can just get it right two out of five times, that forgiveness piece and showing our kids that we're human and that we're on this journey, what it does is it helps our kids learn how to build resilience in their own journey as well. Hey, Nothing Is Wasted family. Are you currently walking through a specific valley and looking for resources to help you in your pain? I think we can all attest to the fact that there is tremendous comfort in hearing from those who have walked a similar path and have found hope and healing on the other side. That's why we've created collections of resources called Curated Pathways to help you navigate your specific pain points. With Curated Pathways on topics like grief, child loss, sexual betrayal, childhood trauma, widowhood, and more, we've compiled the very best resources from Nothing Is Wasted Ministries all in one place, speak to what you're experiencing right now. 
Our curated pathways will give you access to everything we've created from past podcast episodes to bonus content, masterclasses, live coaching, and everything in between. I mean, let's admit it. When you're facing a crisis, loss, or trauma, you just don't have the time, energy, or emotional bandwidth to search for or wade through all of the resources that could help you heal. That's why we've created Curated Pathways. Now, you can get a taste of what our Curated Pathways have to offer by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. But if you're ready to go the next level on your healing journey, you can access the full library of our resources, including the entire curated pathway you're looking for by becoming a Community Plus member. For just $20 a month or $200 a year, you'll have access to the complete collection of Nothing Is Wasted curated pathways, as well as our entire library of masterclasses, bonus episodes, live coaching, live events, replays, and more. As a Community Plus member, you'll be able to access a new curated pathway each month as our collection grows. Our team has been working very hard on this to catalog, index, organize, and distribute our library of content in a way that will be most helpful to you or to friends and family that you know who are going through a tough time. We know what it's like to face pain, and we want to equip you with the tools you need to find hope and healing as you move from pain to purpose. Join Community Plus today at nothingiswasted.com slash community plus, or get a taste of our curated pathways by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. You can find both of those links in the show notes of this episode. We want to help you partner with God to take back your story, and we're committed to giving you resources in an easy way for you to access those so that you can do just that. John, you know, I think before you said that, I would say, hey, here's some really good advice. You know, if you mess up, apologize to your kids. You know, I've I've definitely heard that before. I've taught that before. But the fact that there's this undergirding research right there that you just brought forward, like that underscores how vital this is, like even to at a soul level, right? And just what a biblical foundation of, you know, principle, foundational principle that this is, that like this is how God wired our our, our bodies, our minds, our hearts, and our souls to work and our relationships then to be able to mend or repair even when things go awry. I mean, I just, I'm like, that's so profound. Like, I hope everybody just under, understood and listened. Like, this is how important that reconciliation, that repair, the forgiveness, all of those different aspects of that kind of uh, relational you know, repair, how important that is. It's so good, man. That's and so at the good. soul Thank level, uh, we had a friend, Jeannie Cunyon, uh, she was, we were talking with her one time and she said she, and it, it had a profound impact on me and I've done it a few times. Uh, I'll do it from time to time with my own kids, but where she will say, can I, would you mind if I just pray? I need to ask Jesus for forgiveness for the way that I spoke to you. I need to, would wow. you, would you mind if I prayed and asked God for forgiveness and would you pray with me? And literally going to the cross in front of your children to wow. receive God's forgiveness, uh, that soul level, that that it's just, that reconciliation. There's something about that supernaturally that I think we yeah. cannot underestimate. Yeah, I I imagine though I'm not imagine. I mean I'm a parent, so I know that this has to be this has to require some bit of emotional awareness within your own self to yeah. realize in that moment going, wait a minute, how I just responded, that's not right, right? And I know a lot of times when it comes, especially if there's like childhood trauma, 
family of origin issues, you know, those kinds of things where you're like, well, this is just this, you just operate out of what you've seen. It's kind of that generational curse that kind of gets passed down. You just operate out of what you've seen and you're not even aware that that's healthy or not. So it does take, right. I mean, explain this a little bit. Like how do we become a little bit more aware of wait, how I just responded right there. That's not a healthy, that's not providing a safe space for my kids. Yeah. What what do we do to to begin to do that? You know what and I mean? Safe space, like and we talked about. He he mentioned the term emotional safety. Like that's not even a term that a lot of people are familiar with. And so just right. to put that in a context, like basically it's being that safe place where someone can come, not just children, your spouse, your friends, your in laws. <laughs> you know that you are a safe place that they really can be themselves with you. You're not mm. offended by their anger. You're not taking on their you know, depression or they're upset. So often I think we have learned to co-regulate with someone by taking on what they feel as opposed Mm. to recognizing that I can be with. So it's really the ministry of presence, like the power of your presence with someone without the feeling that I have to fix it. I don't have to have wisdom or a great response. In fact, Typically, nobody wants your response. They don't want your answer or your suggestion of even how to fix it. Even our children. There does come a place where we we have this program called My Kids EQ, where it is emotion coaching kids. It is about up-leveling our kids, but it's really the whole family unit. Because like you're saying, as a parent, if you're unaware of your own baggage and your own predispositions toward things. Cause you'll find, you know, maybe it's anger. Maybe it's your child's anger that just, oh, like it just triggers me and I don't know why. Yeah. And I, I would just say, be curious about that. As mm. opposed to, we so often are quick to judge ourselves and oh, like we either come down hard on ourselves when we become aware, like you said, like, oh, I, I messed up again. But to just have this gentle curiosity, why is that? Where is that coming from? And mm. Let that, let yourself be curious because there's less, there's not a threat when you're curious. You're just trying to discover something. But so often we are in such a rushed pace of life. We're trying to just solve all our problems in one week and, you know, get better and move on. It's just not the way God heals us. Mm. Heals us in such a compassionate way where it's like you're saying, we start with awareness. I'm aware of it. I make it right. And what you'll notice is when you start to wire your brain for awareness of how you respond in relationships, you notice it the next time. It's like you buy a purple Jeep and all of a sudden you start to notice on the road, all these purple Jeeps (laughs) and you never noticed them before. It's just starting to wire your brain to see something it didn't see before. But that takes time. It will not be overnight. But when we start to recognize, even in our own selves, are you know, are quick to judge, are quick to or you know, criticize our our children, or or pick out what's wrong, or or quick to anger, quick to defense, you know, with your spouse. Like maybe you just get you fly into defensiveness, and you're, oh, I did that again. And again, you might not notice right away, but after you've allowed your body to calm down a little. Yeah, I did that again. I'm really sorry. And you ask for forgiveness and that, I mean, I, you cannot understate the importance of that healing. Like it heals. And if you think about the layered components of what that is, it's humility. It's this sense of our own, we we actually, we're not walking around in pride anymore, right? Because we were asking for forgiveness. Like we're not good at that yeah. <laughs> on the daily. We're just not good at that. But it's a 
just like anything, it's a muscle that has to grow and it grows over time with use. And so I say that to encourage all of us. I'm a type A firstborn, like I want to just get better, you know, move on, like be awesome, just keep growing. And then you just get totally pissed off, honestly, (laughs) that you just keep messing up and, and to see, have that eyes of grace for yourself to realize that's part of my human journey. And goodness mm. gracious, I see that in my kids too. Man, wow. I they didn't change the first time I pointed that out in them. I, funny, I guess <laughs> I don't really either. But we don't, you know, we we just don't have that grace and compassion for ourselves the way God looks at us. And wow. so that's a practice that we have to start looking for too. Don't you love it when the Lord uses your kids as a mirror? Oh gosh. Do we love it or do we do? Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah. I guess I say that facetiously. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I (laughs) love it. But it's such a, what a gift that is to us, you know? Yeah, it is. It is. It really is to make us more aware of this, you know, and seeing the things that we're just kind of inherently passing down to them by, you know, the environment that we're creating or how they're watching us or how they're, you know, obviously the old adage more is caught than taught. And we're just, it's exactly what you said earlier, Josh, that, the, the as we become better followers of Jesus, we become better parents, right? It sounds, it seems so simple, right? But it is not easy. That's for Mm-mm. sure. Um, Christy, it, you know, tell us a little bit about your story. I know that Josh alluded to that earlier. It seems like it's very important in the work that you guys are doing too. And, and how this came about. Uh, I, so I was, you know, a mom of, well, one at the time, uh, Landon's our firstborn. And, you know, I think I, like I knew I always wanted to be a mom. I was so excited for that. I, Josh was able, you know, to work and I was able to stay home and I thought that's what I wanted. Um, and I realized I just got really lost in it. I didn't feel like a mother. I didn't, it didn't come naturally to me. I was struggling, feeling left behind. I wanted to be, you know, outliving my purpose. I felt like, you know, that's what he was doing. And I just felt left at home and, like though I cherished my kids, you know, and then number two came along and both of our kids, um, well, I remember with Landon, like, I mean, he just cried all the time and we had no answers for that. And friends would say, you know, I promise this is not normal. Like you guys have had a really hard go and I'd had really difficult pregnancies. I had hypermesis gravidum, which is just like extreme morning sickness. I'd throw up 30 to 40 times a day for seven months and Oh goodness. It was just really hard. I, everyone's like so thankful to be pregnant and I was, and yet I was, I wouldn't have told you at the time, but I was totally, I had slipped into depression. I didn't care about anything. I was so, so sick. Um, and then Kennedy came along and she wasn't like Landon. She was worse. Um, so she cried like you had dropped her on the floor all the time. And what I didn't know at the time wow. was that my entire limbic system, like Josh referred to, which is just like you're the nervous system and its response to, I was in fight or flight at all times. Um, so then I started getting all these chronic infections, um, food sensitivities, my back, which I'd injured um, playing volleyball in college um, was so bad. I mean, there was a season, there was, I remember three weeks I couldn't walk. 
It was um, a season where I'm taking care of Landon, who was two years old. Kennedy was six months old, not sleeping through the night at all, like awake every 45 minutes type of sleeping through the night. And Christy oh. is literally bedridden with a porta potty kind of like you would see in a nursing home right next to the bed because her back was so incapacitated she couldn't even walk to the bathroom. So, I mean, that was like... Oh. We're like, we're in it. Yeah. And, and Kennedy, like for her first, I couldn't get her in and out of her crib. I couldn't put her in and out of her car seat. So I was stuck at home. I literally, Josh would go out of town to speak and I was just praying that I would be okay. Cause I, like if something, mm. if my back slipped again, then I, you know, I, one time I was like literally on the floor with a toddler and a baby crying, trying to get to my phone to get him, um, to come home. Wow. And so that was my journey. I started my parenting journey there and I realized I was the worst version of me I'd ever been. And I don't mean just like physically, emotionally, I would lose it. I would like everything would come out sideways. I would, I remember someone dropped Mm -hmm. a pot in the kitchen and I just started bawling. Like I just, I was in such a state of like that trauma response where every you're on edge for everything. I would, burst into tears or out in anger over nothing and everything. And this was the version of me that my children knew as mom. Mm. And I remember one time we had gone back to, I'm from Canada and we had gone back to my parents' house and it was like a feat just to get there. And I remember being in their guest room in their basement and Josh just putting his hands on my shoulders and looking me straight in the eye. And he said, I just want my life. And I just, it was like, it hit me in that moment where I realized I was gone and I didn't know where I'd gone. I mean, I used to be this super, you know, high capacity. I I loved me. I loved the former version of me and I didn't know what happened to her, but she was like, she was really struggling and was really lost. And I remember Josh at one point um, coming home and he, I describe it like he was wafting the smell of some delicious latte that he had had, you know, working at a coffee shop. He'd been having all these like great meetings. And so he comes in and he's just talking about like all these great things that he'd done and people he'd met with and projects he's working on. And I'm like teaching a kid to eat solid food. So I'm like covered in, you know, spackled banana and sweet potato. And I just remember I just burst into tears and I was just like, why do you never ask me what's on my heart? And it was the first time in words, I had said something out loud. I didn't even realize, I get, it just came out. And I realized I just felt lost and I felt alone and I felt hidden. Wow. And it that began our journey together where I actually invited him in, um, not knowing how, but I said something that in, and I realized I needed someone to help pull me up again and to find myself again. And so mm. I, I call that season hitting the bottom rung of life because it was, and it, the journey from there was this pulling, I say pulling myself up. It was the Lord pulling me up one rung at a time and me partnering with him. And there were so many other circumstances mm. going on in that time too. So it was, so when she said we were in Canada, we were at Christmas time. And I remember very vividly where I yeah. told her, I just want my wife back. And part of that journey also was my dad had congestive heart failure. And so we had driven up to Canada. My parents, I uh, grew up in Pennsylvania. Uh, we were in about an eight hour drive from where they were. And uh, just six, uh, well, it would have been four months prior to that. My dad's heart had stopped working on its own. So he had uh, been rushed into emergency surgery. 
Um, he was uh, um, in the hospital for three months. He had to get a heart, uh, uh, an LVAD um, put in. So it was a heart pump and, and it would do the work of his heart for him. And we, uh, but he had complications, he had blood clots. So he was in the hospital for three months during that season. This is also the same season where Christy's back is not doing great. I am struggling to figure out how to bring an income in during this process because I'm trying to take care of the two kids and her in that process. And, you know, uh, we had gone back to Pennsylvania. We had driven 21 hours uh, to get back from Missouri to Pennsylvania to get to be with my dad. And then we ended up living during that season for about a month, three weeks or a month with my mom and my stepdad with a six, you know, with Kennedy who was screaming and a two-year-old. And it was just one of those, well, because she had just been born. So this is like early on, like she had been born like a month prior. And wow. so we are, we're in it. And, and so you imagine living with your in-laws in this season, I'm driving to the hospital to be with my dad as much as I can. And all of a sudden at Christmas time, we find out he's coming home and we're eight hours away in Canada. Mm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he gets to meet his granddaughter. He gets to be with his granddaughter at home. Uh, I can take her down there. You know, he can meet his granddaughter, hold his granddaughter. And this is a cool thing. And, but my suggestion of that to Christy, there was just mm. she, the, to drive eight hours in a car to go to take, like there was absolutely nothing left. And I think yeah. that's where we realized where I said, I just want my wife back. I, mm. we realized that in that moment, how, how, how far gone we were in terms of, and how far gone she was in terms of depression and where she was on what she calls that bottom rung of life. So there was so many other circumstances going on, not just colicky kids and not sleeping kids in the back. Like there yeah, was right. a lot going on in that season of our lives. And, right. um, it was so funny. I remember also in that same season in that fall, we we had this offer um, to to this really cool kind of like a dream job offer that I had a dream job offer, and we flew out. We left the kids behind with my parents, and we flew with my mom and stepdad, and we flew out uh, across the country to be to go for these interviews. And I remember sitting in the HR office in that season, and all of a sudden we're meeting with the head of HR, and Christy just burst into tears. And I'm like, this I is, was a hot mess. Like, I really I'm like, was. this is great. Like, like the, the very just... first impression I want to leave with the HR <laughs> is my crying wife wow. and how much of a mess we are. Wow. And it was just a, <laughs> it was a season. And, and, um, that's where wow. we were. But that's where we were. And, and it's so funny because it's, yeah. it's crazy how, you know, it's not funny, but it's, it's, there, there's, there's irony. And it's wild that the very thing that God calls you to, he humbles you in so you don't pull your britches yeah. up too high to be like, That's oh, right. this is just how you do it, you know? That's um, right. It was very difficult wow. for us. And so wow. that was that was the journey. But I, and I think... Because this is, this is while you are working currently. I mean, at, that, oh, at this point, you're you're working on stuff for helping families and, well, you know, people were in crisis. Is that right? Were yeah, you, Famous you at Home at that time wasn't started yet. Famous at Home hadn't started, but were you writing had, Safe House at that time? I think you were. Well, I think I was writing Safe House. And and okay. so we have a book on emotional safety and kids. <laughs> and the reason that we started, I started researching that was because, I, you know, you as a, like, we were in these trenches in these early years with our first mm. two. And I remember just thinking like, I know parenting's difficult, but it can't be this complicated. Like you can't even leave the hospital before you have to make a decision about whether or not you're going to immunize your child. And we all know what that debate's right. like today. 
you right. get them home and you hear parenting experts describe about whether we should spank or not spank. Should we do, should we breastfeed or bottle feed? Should we co-sleep or not co-sleep? Do we do timeouts or time-ins? Cause now timeouts are not appropriate. Time-ins are better. You know, it's like, you're just so overwhelmed by all this parenting advice. You can't even, right. you're not a parent for more than five seconds before you realize it's the most guilt-ridden shaming task on the planet. And wow. it's like, I was so overwhelmed by it that, and, and in a season we were in that I was going, when I'm 80 years old and I'm on my rocking chair looking back at my grandkids and my kids, I want to know what would have really mattered. And mm. so it was in that season, I was digging into the research. I mean, I had a PhD in counseling. I'd done my research in the area of attachment relationships. And I, as I looked at the research, what I realized is that every single major outcome that we desire in our kids linked back to this thing of emotional safety, this whole concept of emo- like creating an environment where our kids feel safe. And, and, um, but that required us to feel safe. And so that was kind of the journey that Christy started going on was uncovering how she could feel safe within herself to then be safe. And as she said, she was the worst version of herself, but she didn't know how to get out of that. And so the last number that spent years just for her coming out of that journey and then the healing that it's had in our marriage, the healing that it's had in our whole family has just been, been a, a, it's been a, a journey but it's also been a beautiful thing because we're pressing into it. Yeah, and it Can was. Can you highlight it was some of those shifts, journey. guys? I mean, either one of you guys, like, what you know, you you're talking about. You're referring to the fact that it took years for you to kind of come out. But what are some of the big milestone moments? What are some big? What's well, a good question? You know, shifts yeah. in in perspective and mindset and practice that you guys had to do in order to participate with God's healing in your in, in that good. part of the yeah. journey. So I would say, first of all, I was totally alone. It wasn't that I wasn't surrounded by friends? I had a ton of friends but I didn't let anyone into that journey. I was acting like I was fine because that's what mm. everyone else seemed to be doing. Everyone else seemed to be fine. Everyone, everyone else, else seemed to be crushing the parenting thing. Yeah, yep. everyone yep. else was like such a great mom right. and like you're at your play dates <laughs> and I would leave and I was exhausted. I was so tired oh, of just wow. pretending and like, how you know, um, again, even though they're really good friends, I didn't let them in. There was a shame component. And so that was probably the first thing to go is that I decided decided isn't the great word. It's not like I had no other choice. It was like, like I have to do. To or conceded yeah, to the I fact. was like, yeah. okay, I'm too tired. Wow. This is wow. too hard. Like I just need, I need someone to know. And it started with Josh and mm. he went to, well, this was funny. So you could tell, maybe you can tell this part, but he asked me, you know, as I'm on the bottom rung of life and he traveled a ton because he's, a, he speaks like for a living right. most of the time. Right. So every time he'd go, I mean, just fear through my whole body. And so then he asked me, he's like, I, okay, I want to go to this week long leadership. What I remember. So this was with John Townsend and and John Townsend, Dr. John Townsend wrote book boundaries with Henry cloud. They've been incredible friends and mentors of mine for, for many, many years. And I remember John telling me, he said, Josh, if you just go to this and, and he told Christy this too, he said, if you let him come for a week to this, uh, it will pay dividends 10 years from now. So just, you know, and and so it was funny because it was scheduled right around the time that she said to me, why don't you ever ask me about what's on my heart? And wow. so I left her for a week with the kids because I, I guess that's what good husbands do. And um, <laughs> and you just get out of Dodge. Um, I'm, I'm totally kidding. I But I, I went out there for a week and, and, I, and it was an ultimate leadership retreat. And so you learn about leadership. And I remember them talking about the power of emotion and great leaders not just talking about content-based conversation where you're talking about the business of the day, but process-based conversation, how you feel about the business of the day. 
And I remember leaving there and going, I can't be a great leader until I'm first a great leader at home and leading my wife's heart. Wow. She had just left me with this. Why don't you ever ask me about what's on my heart? And I remember wow. coming home and just saying to her, Christy, I don't know how to claw our way out of this thing, but I do know that in order to be a great leader, one of the things that I learned was that we need to start talking about emotion. We need to bring emotion into, you know, I was working on this emotional safety research and I was, mm. you know, looking at, uh, going to this, I was at this retreat and I'm learning about all this date, all this research on, on emotions and, and verbalizing your emotions. And, you know, from a biblical perspective, you know, uh, when we become one flesh, well, the Bible, first of all, says in Proverbs to guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. And I think when we yeah, become one right. flesh in marriage, we have one marital heart that we need to guard. And so my ability to wow. fight for Christie's heart is critical to how the wellspring of our lives, of our marriage, of our home, and how everything else goes. And so I had to realize, like, even when we were arguing, when we were, when she was short, when she was, um, you know, when I was feeling like, you know, between a rock and a hard place, you know, with, with everything, I had to stop getting defensive and I had to start entering into her world and see what was going on. And so I came home and I just said, Christy, I would love to practice this. And we, we now do it with, with coaching clients where we call it 15 minutes a day, where we just started, instead of talking about the business of the day, we would share one positive emotion and one uncomfortable emotion that we felt that day. And it wasn't necessarily towards wow. one another. It was just even in neutral situations. Yeah. Like I felt happy, content. I felt uh, excited. I felt joyful. I felt brave today doing X, Y, or Z, or when this happened. And then one uncomfortable emotion. And we use uncomfortable instead of negative because we think that, uh, I believe that every emotion is God-given. And yeah. um, it, it's it's what you do with it that makes it positive or negative. Sure. But when you take an uncomfortable great, emotion and you you use it, you can use it to enhance relationship and and yeah. have deeper connection with those that you love. And so what's one uncomfortable emotion that you felt? I was sad. I was jealous. I was embarrassed. I was alone. Christy, lonely a lot. Um, feel alone. And what it does is it helps give insight into your spouse's heart and what's going on in their inner world. And you don't have to make it weird. You don't mm -hmm. have to, you know, you can do it while you're unloading the dishwasher. You can, if you need to start by sending a text message instead of doing it face-to-face, -face, I mean, ultimately the goal would be to get to be doing it face-to-face, -face, but just start, just do it. It'll be, it'll feel awkward at first, but just start. And it'll become normal conversation <laughs> to just verbalize a feeling word in your day um, is just critical to getting into the heart of what's happening in, in the inner world of your, of your spouse and your kids. Wow. And why that was so powerful for me is that it started to organize what I was experiencing because so many of us okay. are numb right? When you've gone yep. through trauma, whatever that looks like, physical, emotional, spiritual trauma, even there is this stunned, like we freeze. And so we actually become right. numb to emotion. We're not, we don't know what we felt because we have learned how to tamp it down for so long that it's not until it comes out sideways do we realize, you know, it's even That's there. Right but we've numbed the whole range of emotion, like positive and negative. We tried right. to just numb out the anger or the grief and we've numbed out all the positive emotion as well. And so for me, right. it was actually this organization, which is why it's so powerful to do with kids. We have a book called, What Am I Feeling? With a feelings chart in the back, a pull out feelings chart you can put on you know, your fridge or in your kid's bedroom. And the number of adults that we hear, teenagers that are like, oh my gosh, I need this because we yeah. all do. We all need to see what an emotion looks like in a face and be able to recognize, yeah. oh, I felt sad today. I felt left out. I felt mm. like 
we, we're just not good at recognizing our body feels it, but we are not aware of it. And so wow. to be able to start to organize my life by saying it out loud to someone who loved me and saying like, I felt yeah alone today. I felt hopeless. I felt discouraged. Wow. I felt angry. I felt frustrated. I, you know, you say it and it organizes it in your brain, which actually calms the brain and it starts to bring yeah. your story back together. And so, that's right. I mean, genuinely that yes, did I go to, you know, I have a great counselor. I went to an intensive at one point, but that was I truly, that was years later. Honestly, I, mm. I got, I, and I'm not saying to not put into place all those things, but I know when you're in that overwhelm, yeah. trying to find a counselor, trying to get to an intensive, right. trying to like, you can't, you don't even have the energy right. to do that. And so I say to you like 15 minutes a day and we have it laid out. Um, we talk about it in our podcast, but we have it laid out in our book, Famous at Home as well, because it's the most practical, helpful, yeah. like it, and we just call it, especially with our coaching clients, like, what do you say? Like if, if you don't, you don't practice, you can't play the field. Oh, I mean, if you're, like, you're a baseball player, right? Like, you know, the yeah, fundamentals yeah. of baseball. Like if you're going to field a ground right. ball, you better be following that ball in into your mitt with your other hand or catching it with two hands, a fly That's ball. Right. Like those are the fundamentals. And if you don't practice the fundamentals, right. you're not going to see the field. And so I tell all of our That's coaching right. clients, if you're not practicing 15 minutes a day, like you're not going to see the field. You're not going to see the progress that you would right. see if you were practicing the fundamentals. And I think that's a... Yep. But, and I think it speaks to, to just the kindness and the beauty of God and the way he heals us. It's not always that complicated. Sometimes right. it's literally just right. putting a name to how you feel. But you start. it started this process. Yep. It wasn't just like I did it once because it, you know, it comes out in an outburst and then we stuff it down and just right. go numb for like a month and then it comes out again. It was this daily practice of just saying a couple things and yeah. you're getting more comfortable with that. Again, you're just becoming a little more aware and you start yeah. to notice things you were totally oblivious to. And it not only drew us together as a, like our marriage got so connected again because it was like, I see you. And then I can also, cause I'm aware, like I'm aware of the journey. I'm aware that you've mm -hmm. been, a, you know, worried about finances. Like those were things like maybe he wouldn't have said to me before because he's trying to just, again, with our false selves, we put on this really great mask yeah, right. and right. act like we're good when we're not. And, yeah. and the beauty of yeah. how, deeply healing it is to be fully seen and fully known and fully loved. Yeah. Like you can't. Wow. That heals a lot of wounds and it really does. And then to That's be right. able to offer that presence and that practice to your children and to your friends and it starts yeah. to change your circles and wow. I would, wow. and, and I just want to add one other two. I think one of the things I saw Christy do really, really well early on, uh, you were talking about markers, like what were some key markers? Yeah. I think one of the things I saw Christy do really, really well early from the very beginning was saying yes to people who offered to help. So once she started verbalizing this, being able, like in humility, saying yes yeah. to help. And yeah. I remember it started yeah. when I was speaking and I was sharing illustrations about how you know difficult things were for us. And this one woman at, at, at our church had come up to me and to this day, like the, how, like I still think of her as like, what a godsend she was in that moment where she wow. just said, um, 
she pulled Christy aside and she said, um, it was with our daughter with Kennedy and, you know, cause she was crying all the time. And she said, have you done any food allergy tests? And she's only like six months old at the time. And we, mm-hmm. we were, um, and the other aspect of this is Christy had a real hard time breastfeeding. So that brought more shame. And so our daughter's on formula and, mm-hmm. um, and so this woman just, Christy just was like, yes, just tell me everything, you know, and, all of a sudden, you know, we flipped to goat milk. We flipped to, we started just, Christy started learning to not eat gluten, start just changing her own wow. diet and then yeah. changing the diet of our daughter and just things that we didn't know, even <clears throat> in terms of how we ate food yeah. that True. just started to shift. So it was this holistic type of thing. It wasn't just emotional. Yeah. It was right. physical. It was emotional. It was spiritual, but she, yep. it all happened. So there were physiotherapists throughout this journey. There were therapists throughout this journey. There were uh, coaches. Throughout. There's all these right. things that Christy went through that I went through as well with her that, and my own therapy as well, mm. but it was because we said yes to people who were willing to help. And I think mm. that is one of the wow. biggest things that I would encourage people to go, wow. okay, yes, you're willing to help me. I want help. Like teach me what wow. you know. Because I, and I think that's the thing, like the Lord will send the people that you need right now that's it. versus this that's overwhelm it. of like, I don't know where to go for help. Like a sweet lady in the church who just comes up out of nowhere. And I could have right. been like, eh, it's, I'm thank you. You know, cause everyone has right. advice. Like I had billions of people trying to tell me like, have you tried this? Have you tried this? But just pay attention to those glimmers of where like the Holy yeah. spirit is showing up right in front of you. And it's like, this is the next right step. And that wow. if I can encourage, like that is, the next right step. That is all you're looking for. This you will not heal overnight, and it's just not the That's way so that good. we've been designed to. But the Lord has so good. set out the next right step, and you just obey that, and then the next one. But it is it is from a posture of humility. The pride had to go of you know I've got wow. this, or you know I can't let people into this. People want to be let in. Like people desperately want yeah. to know how to help yeah. and how to, they, they want to know you. Like Josh wanted to know me. My friends wanted to know me. I just wasn't letting them. And right. and I don't even, I don't even shame myself for that. I didn't know how I felt there. I didn't know what to let them yeah, into. Right. I was so right. unaware. I was in survival. And so if you feel in survival, that's where I 15 minutes is, is the gentle icebreaker to get you into a sense of how am I right now? Actually. Hey friend, I wanted to let you know about a really special resource that we offer regularly at Nothing Is Wasted. It's our master classes. Each and every month on our community platform, we host a live masterclass where you can learn from trusted leaders and some of our certified coaches on specific topics to help you navigate your valley. This is an incredible resource because this is an opportunity for you to let their lessons through the pain of suicide, trauma, and other heartbreaking journeys guide you through yours. Now, these masterclasses are absolutely free to attend live, but Community Plus members only will get access to the on-demand replays of these special events. The topics we talk about are different each month and will help you no matter where you are in your pain to purpose journey, but some of these topics will speak to exactly what you're going through right now. So to find out what masterclass we have coming up next, go to nothingiswasted.com slash masterclass. And right there, you can register for the next masterclass. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash 
Masterclass. We know what it's like to navigate life's valleys. Our masterclasses are just one of the many tools that we want to equip you with for the journey towards healing. Learn more and sign up today at nothingiswasted.com slash masterclass, or perhaps share this resource with a friend who's in need of some encouragement in their pain. Again, nothingiswasted.com slash masterclass. That's so paramount what you're saying right there, because I feel like so many people, we, we say this a lot, that God sometimes heals in poof, but most of the time he heals in process. That's good. And I think people are just kind of waiting for this moment where it's like God just descends from heaven and there's this huge, massive encounter at a worship service or on the floor yeah. of their bedroom. And it's just like, boom, I'm healed. It's this major experience thing. And that doesn't happen for most people. For most people, it's just a little subtle shift in mindset right? Where you begin to open your eyes up and open your heart up to the next thing that God wants to bring into your life. And I, and, and I think that's, that's, oh, sorry. Sorry. Oh, sorry I didn't no, mean yeah, to interrupt ahead, you. Go ahead. I, I just, no, I think, well, I was just going to say that's, that's the thing that, that God does. He starts to bring exactly what you're saying. These people like, and these resources and these things, it's like, oh, because he has us on a linear journey. It's like, I can't bring all of it to you until this one thing is shored up. And then that's a foundational thing for the next thing, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. That's so good. I think, I remember a number of years ago as a younger man in my twenties, I was looking at what character meant. And in scripture, yeah. it's like you get this bum deal because in order to, you know, in Romans five, it says to rejoice in suffering with suffering comes perseverance and perseverance, character yeah. and character hope. And that whole idea of character, it's like, it's such a bum deal. Cause the only way we can really develop character <laughs> is through the process of suffering. But, but, yeah. but Paul's right. Like be joyful in it, be joyful in your sufferings wow. as you journey, because what it's producing in you is the yeah. fruit that is, is, I mean, and, and to me, I think in, in Western America and our Western world, uh, we have this instant gratification. It's like, we have to be healed. We have to be whole. It's like, we, ha we get everything at the, at, at the click of That's a right. button. We just get what we want in front of us. And suffering doesn't work that way. You know, mm -hmm. uh, God didn't, and he loves us so much. He didn't design it to work that way because what right. he's producing in us is so much more beautiful than yeah. what can be given to you in, in the click of a finger. Wow. Wow. That's so good. So, you know, as you guys, and maybe you can share this anecdotally or experience experientially, or maybe you can share it just from a practical standpoint, but you know, as people are finding healing themselves as parents are particularly in their becoming a safe space for each other. How do you then go and translate that to your kids and create this entire environment of these practices in your home? I think it's one of the most beautiful things. It's so it's almost effortless and I don't want to say it doesn't mm. require intention, but it's like you said, it's more is caught than taught and they watch mom and dad. They watch how mom is different. They watch how mom is asking for forgiveness quicker because I still have to ask for forgiveness a whole lot but I've no, I'm much quicker mm. now. I can catch myself in the middle of a outburst or in the middle of a criticism. And I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm so sorry, honey. I did that again. Mm. And I, mommy is really working on that. And I've brought my kids into part of my journey and to do that in a really safe way, right? Where you are still bigger, stronger, wiser, and kind. I am not putting the weight of it on them, but I am showing them in a in appropriate way that I am a growing person just like them. And so wow. I still have a lot of things to grow in. 
a lot. Wow. And I'm letting them into that. Like my son the other day was like, mom, you sound a lot better at that. Like <laughs> for your kid to tell you, I was like, buddy, thank you so much. You see, I really am oh. working at it so that I'm not, you know, I think it used to be this top down, you know, mom and like you kids, like you need, you know, the kids are very aware of what you want them to work on. Like we really harp on that right. a lot as parents and yet they don't right. see it often the other way where like mm. they're actually helping mom and dad's journey again, not where the weight of it is on them and not where they see us as uncapable, like not capable of taking care of them, but just that I am, I'm humble enough to let them yeah. in to my faults and my goodness, once you get there, the weight that takes off of you as a parent, mm. that perfectionism, that um, sense of, you know, I have to have a right answer. I have to solve my kids' problems. The beauty of just letting, and, and you know, we do this 15 minutes with the kids too. You can do it around the dinner table where, you know, one uncomfortable emotion, one positive emotion, as opposed to just doing a high low of the day, it yeah. gets you into the heart of your kids where you realize, you know, they felt rejected at the lunch table they felt, mm. you know, really afraid or super bright. Like our son just, you know, was super scared about, we home, we do homeschool, but they go to a two day a week little school and they had a science mm -hmm. test and, you know, he was just crippled with fear. Mm. And to walk that process through with him where he actually lets me in now on the backside of it, as opposed to you, you just seeing it come out sideways in their behavior. He was just really nervous about this test. Mm. And and then he crushed it and we got to celebrate that journey. Mm. And he realized a letting people in is not a scary thing. And B I, I can do really hard things and there's people wow. there to support me. And I think, again, it's not like this formulaic thing. It's this lived out thing where I'm yeah. doing it and I'm letting them into my journey. And then I'm hopefully proving to them I'm a safe enough place that they'll let me into theirs. Yeah. And I, and I would say to, in addition to that, you know, uh, my friend Jordan Rayner talks about this whole idea and it was the first time I'd ever really heard of it, but unipresence, you know, I think so often mm. we try to be omnipresent with our phones and quick, mm. you know, and, and all that type of thing, but your unipresence, your ability to be truly present in one place at one time in one moment. And even through my own wow. discovering my inner child and doing inner child work and things like that, I think, you know, there was something to be, there was something to, when Jesus said, you know, unless you become like one of these little children, uh, you will not enter the kingdom of God. I think there's something about becoming childlike that is really, mm. really important. And so for me, you know, I, we opened up this episode talking about the chase and how oh, so often we have a chase. Right. And every one of us, I think, has a chase. It, or there's an idol. There's something we're trying to chase, whether that is in your job, whether that's, you know, accolades, whether that's, you know, more money, whether that's more notoriety, whether whatever that is, more followers on social media, whatever it is. Or maybe your chase is more like Christie's was, is I just want to get better. I just want to be healthier. I just want to, and your mind is like in this whirlwind of like guilt and shame, and I just want to be better. This chase is what prevents us from being truly present in the moment with our kids. You see it in The Greatest Showman where P.T. Barnum is on the yeah. rooftop. There's this moment where he's on the rooftop and his yeah. daughters are dancing. He's with his wife and they're dancing through the sheets. And it's just really sweet moment where he's physically there. But yeah. in his mind, he's not there because he's chasing, he wants to prove his father-in-law wrong. He wants to b become big. He wants to have, the, right? And so you can just see he's not there. His mind's not there. And I think one of the things that um, Dr. Stanley Greenspan has found in his research, he started this uh, practice called floor time, where you enter into your child's world for 
20 minutes a day, command free mm. time. You don't command the play. And I and I just one of the things that I have found mm. for me in my life where I just put my cell phone away, I I put it into another room where I can't hear it, I can't know what's going on, and I just enter into my child's world. If that means I'm on the island of Sodor playing Thomas the Train, if that means I'm, you know, <laughs> playing Polly Pockets, if that means I'm playing Dollhouse, whatever it is, I'm entering or, or a board game or something of that nature yeah. where I'm in their space. And, and, and yes, it will take sometimes 10, 15 minutes for you to turn your own brain off. Wow. But I'm yeah. telling you, when you do, you, an hour can go by and you realize that that was the most fun part of your entire day was losing wow. yourself in a game with your kids. And I just really want to encourage parents. It, it, it's, as, it's as simple and complicated as that. Um, it's complicated because yeah. it's hard to shut your brain down and turn off the chase. Right. But it's as simple as sitting with your kids and just being truly present with them and what they're doing and entering their world because the very thing they desire the most is you. They just desire your time. They want you. They don't want you on your phone. They don't want you. They don't want the you that's, you know, busy and having to your to-do list. They want just you. And there's no wow. one else in the world that can replace you. And so I think it's as simple as starting there. Man. Wow. This has been, I mean, this is so convicting for me, I know. And some of these things are just great reminders, but you know, I mean, I know you guys are, I'm sure you speak Enneagram. I'm a three. So what you're talking about, Josh is, I mean, I am goal oriented, achievement oriented. Yeah, I always yeah. have been just wired that way. Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was really helpful to have language for that. When I began to study the Enneagram, it's like, oh, this is why I'm wired this way. And I'm also very relationally driven. Right. And so that is in constant conflict when it comes to my kids. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, I'm taking the hill, but I'm also, oh my gosh, I feel so bad because I don't feel like I'm ever creating space and margin enough for this time to be fully present. And so this has just been super helpful for me to think about that in terms of our feeling, our, our family has a lot of healing that still needs to happen. And that's only going to happen to the extent that we are creating this space to be safe places for each other and to be able to get emotionally curious. That takes time. But yeah. that's how God rushes in and heals us. And I would just yeah. say, I love the way you um, concluded that. You wrapped that up there. I would just say, too, this is a journey to invite your entire family on. Like you talk about, like, there's so nothing good. more powerful than giving your entire family a purpose and your kids having purpose. And when the mm. entire family is on that same journey at the same time and you're inviting your kids on that journey with you, there's this sense of greater purpose that your family is offering the world because you're wow. offering the world. Yes, you're not perfect. None of us are. But we're offering the world a fresh version of, of, of who we are. And, and we're helping people yeah. grow in our own growth. Because at some point, they're going to look at your lives and they're going to go, man, we want what they have. We want what they're doing. And you're wow. just, you're vicarious. You don't even realize it. You're, you're a missionary for your family. Your family becomes missionaries and you don't even realize right. it. Right. Man. Oh, so good. So good. Guys, we're going to have you on so many other times. Let's do some more stuff together because this has been so helpful for me and so helpful for I know the folks who are listening to this, our community. I'm just so grateful that you guys would spend some time with us today and share. I, I, we just scratched the surface. I, I'm like, we man, did. there's so Can much more Can I say more one I more thing? About. I just it keeps Please circling do, my brain, so I feel like yes. the Holy Spirit. Just to encourage Please you, Davey. I think, and so many other families out there, I think, especially, you know, if you're Enneagram three, if you, if you know that language, if you are driven, you know, you have vision, you're very, 
you love to accomplish stuff. You know, I think so often yeah. we have such clear vision for business, ministry, finances, all those things, but we lack vision for our family. And that's, it makes that's sense right. then what, like there's no like home, like playing another game of shoots and ladders. Like if you don't have a vision yeah. beyond it, why would you want to like, that totally makes sense. That's what we, you know, help coach families yeah. through is and through famous at home is to set mission, vision, family values. So like, once you have that, like, so if you just like, to you or to whomever right. is listening, that just feels kind of, yeah, like just stuck in that place. Just know like once, like for lack of vision, the people perish. I think a lot of people are perishing wow. within the walls of their own home because they just don't have a vision for their family, but God has so it for good. you. He's written your story. He's putting you to, like every single member of that family in that home for That's a right. reason on purpose. And there is such a there's destiny for you. There is people waiting for your family to fulfill a vision that's so unique to you. It's an imprint no one else can replicate. And so once I think you catch a little of that vision or fire, I mean, straight from the Holy Spirit, you know, into you, your family, that changes the desire, like to put your phone away doesn't feel like such a sacrifice yeah. or to yeah. put work aside doesn't feel like, oh, okay. It just feels like, oh, I'm home. Like, this is my purpose. Wow. This is my greater purpose. And so I say that wow. because I, I know, and I was there and I, um, and I think that's the, one of the greatest lies of the enemy is that the, that's right. the family lacks that forward momentum and vision and purpose right. that God has instilled in us to live out. So Right. That's so good. That's so good. I mean, family has always been, God's primary means for building the kingdom. Yep. That's exactly right. right. A household. It. It's been a household. Yep. Been yeah. A household. And I think, yep. I think we've got to, as a church, I think that's going to be the major um, shift. We have to go, there's a renewal of that that's coming. And I'm so grateful for what yes. you guys are doing to lead the way Amen. in that renewal. Yep. Um, that is something I come into agreement with that. Amen. Yep. Amen. Hmm. Hmm. Well, we want to make sure all of you guys check out Josh and Christie's um, work, their podcast, Famous at Home podcast. We'll put the show, uh, the link in the show notes right here. And then Famous at Home, the book that you guys have um, just recently released. I want to make sure that we get that link in there as, as well. Is there any other place that we can follow what you guys are doing and just come along the journey? Yeah, just famousathome.com. Uh, it's where you can find everything that we're doing, whether it's coaching intensives or, as you said, the podcast or some of our children's books and resources. So it's all at that one place. So, and again, Davey, I just want to thank you. Thank you for having us on and the time. Um, it's truly an honor to, to be with you. Man, it has been such an honor to be with you guys. And I'm looking forward to hanging out with you guys some more. So yeah. I, love it. I really appreciate the time. Needed up some baseball games. That's right. Hey, listen, I, I fly into Philly a couple of times a year. Here's what we're going to oh, do. Man. We're going to meet in we, Philly. We're going to go to a game together. Oh, I would love awesome. it. Oh, that, that you was, just got excited. We're on. Let's do it. I'm taking you up on that one. Yep. <laughs> love it. Thanks so, guys. Thanks, so, thanks so much, guys, for being with us. Well, I loved that conversation, Eric. How about you? Yeah, super encouraging. Super encouraging, especially as parents uh, hearing about... <laughs> Hearing about the struggles of parenting yes. and that kids don't need perfect parents. I always enjoy oh, hearing that reminder. That's good news. Such good news. Yeah. One of the things that um, the Straubs talked about was that concept of they kids don't need perfect parents, 
but they need parents who practice repair. What's been mm. your experience? You know, you've got five kids. What's been your experience of repair and asking for forgiveness as a dad? Well, extensive. <laughs> <laughs> Daily. You know, but probably not as extensive as it should be. Yeah. Uh, you know, I... I, I loved what he said about, you know, I think that term repair comes from John Gottman and uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm actually pursuing my master's right now in counseling and nice. I've been exposed to Gottman and his work on relationships and mm-hmm. he's just has some extraordinary insights. And I think they mentioned that parents just need to get it right two out of five times uh, okay. to have an impact Good number. And that's actually, you know, that's, that's, that's uh, only what is that? Forty percent of the time. I I don't like, do math, but that sounds reasonable yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. You're, it's you're, less than half. Yeah, you're failing more than you're succeeding. But even with that, you can have an impact. And I I've just found, um, you know, almost any time that you sin against your kids, it, it <laughs> at least for me, it feels like it's from anger and impatience, where I feel like they've been being kids and they should have been more mature and I'm in the right here. And there's a huge amount of having to humble yourself because you, we feel like our behavior was justified, but I found that being able to go to our kids and say to them, you know, I'm really sorry that I did this. Mm -hmm. That was sinful of me to respond that way. Yeah. And I shouldn't have done that. And I'm sorry that I hurt you. Will you forgive me? Yeah. Um, and receiving that forgiveness and offering that confession with, without any excuse, you know, you know, I'm sorry I sinned against you, but you were being a brat or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the more we can model that, or even if they see mom and dad do that with each other, um, it shows them, it not only shows them how to do it, but it shows yeah. them it's okay to do that. Like it's the I right feel like thing that's always been my hope as a parent, because I didn't necessarily have that modeled to yeah. me. And so my hope has always been like when I go, hey, mommy messed up. I'm so, I'm so, so sorry. Will you forgive me? I, you know, my kids are a little younger than yours, although you, maybe they meet in the middle somewhere, mm-hmm. but like 16, 13, 11. My hope is that forgiveness just because for offering forgiveness, asking for forgiveness becomes sort of a expected and regular rhythm of their lives as they get older. And I know that you can't necessarily guarantee that, but I do hope just seeing it played out and modeled, like you said, that there is, they learn the how, they learn the why, and then begin to practice it themselves as they hurt each other and hurt other people on that kind of thing. And that's just going to have generational benefits. Don't you think? You know, if, 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 you know, if you're growing up in a home where that's not practiced, it feels weird. It feels awkward. Mm-hmm. If you grow up in a home where it's practiced and it begins to feel second nature and this is normal what we do, I mean, just think of how that's going to benefit your grandkids right? to grow up in a home where it doesn't feel awkward for mom or dad to do that. It, yeah. it's, um, it, that can have generational effects on down the line. It is interesting thinking about that because I, I feel like I grew up in the home where like you just, I mean, my parents were fantastic and they they were the authority, you know what I mean? So they weren't ever, they never admitted that they were wrong. Mm. And, and so I, it's just kind of interesting to think about that. I do hope it makes an impact generation, generationally. Um, the other thing that I thought was really interesting that Josh and Christy talked about was this getting curious about our triggers in parenting. (laughs) 
Uh, and I, this is strange. When my kids were little, I was probably triggered by a lot more. Mm. And I don't know if that was just being a new mom or um, being tired all the time. I'm not exactly sure. I feel less triggered as they get older. But certainly to kind of stop and be aware of why is this hitting me? Why is this bugging me so much? What is this about? Why am I unable yeah. to like connect with them over this? And I'm, I'm kind of being the immature petty one. What's going on there to find out what's underneath the trigger. I think both to give yourself grace, but then also to make that repair with your kid too. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I think about a lot when I do pastoral counseling and, and mention to people from, from time to time is this concept of what I call benevolent curiosity, where uh, we're lovingly curious about other people, what makes them tick, what motivates them, why they're saying things they do. And, yeah. you know, in, and in the, in the whole practicing forgiveness and all that, like, um, that's a, that's a good thing to practice with ourselves is to mm. say, okay, even if my response was wrong, what, what's going on here yeah. underneath the surface? Right. Um, because behavior doesn't, you know, most behavior doesn't, I mean, it's habitual. We do it without thinking, but there's something going on in the heart right. and the mind. Right. And to be able to, to understand that is just such a good thing. I think about this too related, not even just to kids, but for those listeners who are married in marriages, I mean, I feel like that's the place where I really need to practice that benevolent curiosity. Why is this thing my spouse is doing triggering me so much right now? And why yeah. am I not... Why am I not, why am I triggered one? And why am I not able to show them grace? Or like Gottman talks about all these, why is, why am I stonewalling when I need to bring the yes. wall down? Like what, what's going on there? So this is interesting to apply that concept, curiosity, hmm. instead of judgment in various relationships. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's just part of general sanctification as, yeah, you know, as totally. we follow Christ is, we can't apply Jesus to what we don't see. Mm, and so good. when we look at our sin and we get into those heart motivations and they're particular because we're acting out of fear or pride or some past experience, then we're able to get really specific with our application of the gospel and, yeah. and speak to those things. Yeah, it's, that's so such a, such a good thought. Well, um, we love partnering with you and coaching with you, not only in your grief, but also in your walk with Jesus, also in some of these things that Eric and I have been talking about, self-compassion, self-curiosity, learning the why beneath uh, what we do. And so we would love to invite you to go to our website, nothingiswasted.com. We have a lot of resources there for you from coaching to classes to partnership. Again, nothingiswasted.com. And if you want to find out more and connect with other people who are walking the Nothing Is Wasted journey, we'd love to invite you to go to nothingiswasted.com slash community. We also want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all of the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. And we love engaging with you on Instagram. You can follow us at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, at Davey Blackburn, at Obsamp. And Eric, I'll let you share your Insta with everybody. At E.M. Shoemaker, and uh, Shoemaker is spelled like Schumacher. Yeah, you got to spell we, it. Spell it for the people, yeah, Eric. S, so E-M-S-C-H-U-M-A-C-H-E-R. 
There you go. And be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the podcast and on YouTube. By doing so, you will help other people find these incredible stories of pain to purpose and so much more. Next week, we are joined by Dr. Michelle Bankston. She grew up in a home, probably like a lot of you listeners, with a parent who was severely clinically depressed. And I know you are going to be deeply moved by our conversation with her. So let's go ahead and take a listen to part of Davies' chat with Dr. Michelle Bankston. I lost my father when I was 15 years old. He had had a heart attack two years before and changed his whole lifestyle. I started exercising every day and eating a heart-healthy diet, and, and I was actually having surgery in Delaware during the summer, was in the hospital all summer, and my mom and I drove home through the night in order to get home for my brother's birthday. And before we woke up the next morning, he had died of a second major heart attack. Wow. And I, I needed help. 